This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. the latest edition of 100, The Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, part two of my conversation with author and activist, Sister Soldier. Last week, we talked about today's activism and leadership in Black America. Today, we'll explore her prolific writing career. Over the years, Soldier has shifted from being a full-time activist to a full-time author. She has written a number of popular novels, including the acclaimed Coldest Winter Ever. This year, after more than two decades, she released the sequel, Life After Death. The book continues to chronicle the life of Winter Santiago. Let us move to your, your day job now, the, the <laughs> idea of being a full-time author. Um, you know, when you look back, is this something that you said to yourself, I, I want to aspire to be that one day? Or did it just morph into the idea of because of maybe the popularity of the books or because of what you have gained out of it personally? What what uh, brought you to being um, more of a full-time author than anything else? 
Well, first of all, I was always a writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, since I learned to write, I've always been a writer. And I started with writing letters to my mother, you know, and after that, I was a writer in the school newspaper. Uh, in junior high school, I helped to create the first junior high school newspaper. In high school, I was one of the editors on a literary magazine and also uh, in the, the high school newspaper. In university, uh, at Rutgers University, I also was a contributing writer to two papers, the main newspaper and then the Black Voice, which was uh, the African-American and Latino uh, newspaper on campus. So I've always uh, been a writer. I've always loved words. I've always been a reader. I've always been a thinker. I never The thought never crossed my mind that I will become a published author. It was not one of my goals. I wanted to become an attorney. Um, but I do believe that God gave me this gift of writing. And, uh, you know, there's a Islamic saying that goes, uh, uh, we plan and Allah plans. And Allah is the best of planners. And I think that that's so true. Uh, because the way that I became a published author was really, uh, you know, like the heavens just opened up and dropped a book deal in my lap, you know. So um, that's, you know, that's just, you know, a God thing. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Uh, the books are popular, I believe, because if you're destined to do something and if you have a gift that comes from God, everyone's going to feel it. Everyone's going to feel it. Even I'm going to feel it. I read my own books like a reader, not like I wrote them. You know, I'm not like all taking credit for it. I read them and I say, oh, <laughs> you know, that's um, that's powerful. Or that's beautiful. Or that's important. And then I say, thank God, you know, because I believe that uh, God gave me the gift and either caused me or allowed me or guided me uh, to write every single book that I've written and every single word that I put on the page. So it's just something I didn't plan for, but I'm very grateful for it. I know you've talked about this um, a number of times and, and you and I have probably talked about it in the past, but when you have a book that mm -hmm. is not only popular like Coldest Winter Ever, yes. but that touched the souls of people in the way that book did, what has that impact, not the book, not the sales, but the impact of that book done for you personally? Well, uh, what the book has done for me is gotten something off my chest that was heavy, you know, on my heart, you know, because when I went to write that book, I wanted to, to write about drugs and I wanted to talk about, you know, the horrific impact of drugs on our community. Um, and it was something that I was obsessed with, a topic I was obsessed with from when I was a child, because I used to be very frightened of the whole drug culture when I was young. This is before I'm even a teenager. I'm in the projects in the Bronx. I'm growing up. I'm seeing what's happening with people who are addicted to this thing called heroin. You know, I'm seeing people that I saw, you know, girls that I thought were beautiful and and who I would be like, I hope I grow up to be pretty like her. You know, I, I'm seeing them getting hooked 
on this heroin and then just turn it into something unrecognizable. And I'm afraid of it. I'm seeing men coming back from war and I recognize them from their army coats, which wasn't a fashion statement at that time. It meant that you were part of the military and you came home with this military attire. And then I see them come home from the war, survive Vietnam and then get hooked on heroin. And uh, so I started being afraid of men that had on army coats, you know, and then we had these block parties in New York uh, all the time. And, you know, they would have these Kool-Aids and and foods and things on the table. And my mother would be like, don't drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. And so I would go to the block party, but I was afraid to drink anything because, you know, people were putting People, it it, it seemed like there was a real effort to get everybody in our hood hooked on these drugs. And uh, I remember my mother said the most frightening thing to me, uh, she said, you know, um, when people uh, get addicted to drugs, they lose uh, who they are. And I asked her, what did she mean? I was very young. And she says, well, like how you love me now. If you got on drugs, you wouldn't even love your own mother. <laughs> Just, that was like getting hit with a brick. You know, I was like, I could, I had so much love for my mother. I couldn't even imagine any substance, any chemical, any, anything that could make me not love my mother that could change my mind. Well, as I grew up, I realized that drugs were mind altering substances and that you would not be the same person that the maker created you to be in the first place once you got hooked on on this. So when I was writing Coldest Winter Ever, uh, for me, it was like a prayer. It was like writing a prayer in the language of the people. You know, not writing something, you know, so, uh, so, you know, using all these words that nobody uses or using some old English or, you know, something like, no, I'm writing this book. It's a prayer. You may not ever recognize that it's a prayer uh, because it's written in the language of the people and the character represents uh, how the people let drugs rule them and conquer them and rob them of everything that they had. Uh, But she's, I made her the main character because I thought that that was happening to most of the people. And I made Sister Soldier the tiniest, smallest character because I believe that that's what happens with uh, activism. You know, you're fighting uh, to change something that you think needs to be changed, but you're just like a small voice in a huge evil wind, you know, so to speak. So the coldest winter ever uh, was a prayer and how it impacted me was I got it off of my chest. Mm -hmm. I got it off my chest. Uh, I thought it was, I found it a little disappointing that a lot of people didn't get it. You know, they fell in love with the drugs Mm -hmm. and in love with the so-called game and in love with the so-called lifestyle and in love with the hustlers and everything like this. I wasn't trying to make them hate the hustlers and I wasn't trying to make them hate themselves, but I was trying to say, hey, this is what's at stake here. 
And once we get involved in it, this drug is going to destroy not only the addict, it's going to destroy the whole family. So Winter lost her father, Ricky Santiago, to incarceration. Life, doing life, that's serious. You know, she lost her children, her, her sisters to the system. You know, they got put in different, you know, group homes and orphanages and, and whatnot. She lost her mother to the drug, to the addiction of the crack. Uh, she lost all of these things. And instead of writing a rags to riches story, I flipped it. I wrote a riches to rags story. <laughs> and I thought that that would hit the hood in a certain way. But then at the end of the book, even though she lost everything, everyone still wanted to be winter. So I was like, oh, that's deep. When we come back, we look at her impact on a generation of readers and ask, will she be on the front lines of activism again? AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Sister Soldier's protagonist, Winter Santiago, has become one of those characters that many readers love and gravitate towards. She, in some ways, has taken on a life of her own. She was one of those characters, or is that really um, became, to some degree, bigger than the book uh, in and of itself. And, you know, it it, it was almost as if she were a real character. Uh, You know, when I would hear people talk uh, and speak of that character, it was... Bigger than the book, bigger than the author. Breathing, (laughs) you know, it was... uh, Here's what was interesting to me. A lot of people, and I heard you say this, I'm going to push you a little bit on this. Two decades it took to get the sequel, uh, Life After Death. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I heard you say is that uh, the end of The Coldest Winter Ever, I think I can at least give this because it's 1999. She's in jail, Mm -hmm. given a sentence. You wanted the gap to be real time before the sequel came out so people would get a sense of, this is what happens. This is mm-hmm. how long you stay in. This is a people had have asked you about trepidation, you know, when the book is so popular, doing the sequel. Uh, and you said, no, I don't really worry about that. Uh, you know, I, I write the best I can, I put it out there, and either people are gonna love it or they're not. Or you had no trepidation, you had no worries at night to say, I hope this sucker's as good as the first one. No, <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, uh, you may not believe me, but honestly, when I write, I am only concerned, is this pleasing to God? That's it. That's it. When I wrote uh, Midnight, the first Midnight book, because there are three books that I wrote in the Midnight series. And uh, I rem- that was Winter's, uh, Winter's Love Interest. When I wrote the first Midnight, Uh, I remember when I got from the book company, when it was bound and it had the cover on it, you know, and it felt like the book was glowing to me, you know. And um, I remember I was actually in Japan when I received it and I had been living over there doing research and I held the book up and uh, my husband and my son was there. And I said, let me tell you something, Papa. That's what I called my husband. I said, let me tell you something, Papa. I don't care what anybody thinks about this book. If this book is pleasing to God, 
Alhamdulillah, that's it. That's all I care about. And that's the truth. And so when the first Midnight came out, it was number seven on the New York Times bestsellers list. Everyone bought it, but the reviews were really bad. People were like really just trashing it. It took people about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, the whole tide changed. Everybody's in love with this character, Midnight, and everybody's buying the book. The hardcover version of Midnight sold more than the hardcover version of The Coldest Whenever. A lot of people don't know that. And then I went on to write Midnight and the Meaning of Love. That's Midnight 2. And to write Midnight. Um, A Moment of Silence, Midnight Three. That's the third book in the series. So I think um, if I write from the soul and I write to please God and I write in the language of the people, very close to the people, not like over people's heads, not in any kind of snob posture, but in the language of the people, I think there's no way for the book to not be successful. And uh, like I said, success for me is if I wrote words that uh, explode in your soul and uh, that God gave me these words and I wrote them and you received them and you felt them mm-hmm. uh, and you can never be the same. And I don't care if you don't admit it. I don't care if you you don't say, oh, soldier, that was a great read. I don't care. As long as in your soul you felt it, those words exploded, and now you know something that you didn't know before, and you received the message that you needed to receive, alhamdulillah, that's all I want. What do you want this book to be? You talked about what you wanted and had hoped Coldest Mm. Winter ever would be and would speak Mm. and and would move. Uh, What do you want Life After Death to be? I wanted uh, Life After Death to uh, cause uh, self-reflection for every individual and self-reflection for every nation. I felt that 2020 was just uh, a year of great calamity and great evil. And I'm not saying that it all went away in 2021, but it just seemed like a confluence of evil and evil on an individual level. Uh, evil on a a community level, evil on a political level, you know, all the way up to the White House evil, evil on an international level, world politic level. And so I wrote this book for self-reflection to let people uh, know that there are certain things that we've been taking for granted. One is that we seem to believe that we're not accountable for the evil that we do. We seem to believe that there is not a God, and if it's a God, it's an a incompetent, impudent uh, uh, God. Uh, I think we lost uh, con- uh, our understanding of the fact that God is all-powerful, uh, so it does matter what you do, and there will be reciprocity for what you do, and there will be judgment. You know, I think people have really hidden themselves in this artificial Uh, talk about don't judge and don't judge me. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not the judge, but there is a judge and there will be a judgment day. And I think whenever we get too comfortable and too casual with being evil on an individual level, on a human level, on a group level, on a national level, we need to be reminded. So life after death is 
to me, a powerful story of Winter Santiago, who everybody loves, taking a hit, getting shot up, taking a hit, and what happens after that so that people can understand, you know, not to romanticize everything. You know, so many people get shot in the hood and everybody's like, rest in peace, rest in peace. How do you know? How do you know you're going to rest in peace? Uh, And people go to the funeral and say, well, he's in heaven now. How do you know? How do you know he's in heaven? And if there's a heaven, there's a hell. How do you know he's not in hell? How do you know he's not trapped somewhere in between? So I brought up the questions that are most personal to every single person. Life and death. Life and death. Life and death. So if you don't fear anything, people fear death. And so I thought, hey, let's talk about that. Let's talk about our favorite character, Winter Santiago. Let's talk about death. Let's talk about getting shot up. And let's talk about revenge and friendship. And let's talk about all of the things that's, you know, captivating our interest and our gossip every day. What's next? Um, for you, whether it be whatever you're going to research for the next book, or is there a um, a tug at all beyond uh, the words that you put uh, on paper uh, and bound in a book uh, for you to to bring that activist side out a little bit more than we've seen of late? What's next for you? Well, it depends. Um... For me, uh, the setting always matters. You know, um, I'm not at the age to, you know, be knocking down the door and busting into places. <laughs> you know, I used to go everywhere I wasn't invited. You know, I didn't care if I was invited or not. I'm showing up. You know, I would even go to like uh, movie premieres where all the celebrities were uninvited with no tickets. And I would be like, uh, Y'all know who I am, (laughs) you know, and somebody would get me a seat, you know, (laughs) because I wanted to be able to bring that activism into the movers and shakers so that they could then say the same kind of things that I was saying. And we could all be on the same page in terms of agenda. So I was a person who was very much, you know, go out and confront, you know, um, at this age and in this era. I wouldn't do it that way. Uh, Although I still think it needs to be done. I think uh, people need to step up and, and do, you know, and be responsible, you know, and I'm still responsible, but just differently. So uh, back to the setting, if, if I get something that I feel secure, you know, I'll use that vehicle, Uh, but I'm not just jumping up. Mm -hmm. here and there, you know, I'm not just, you know, crashing through the door uh, anymore. And at this point, you know, to be honest with you, Ed, I feel like uh, I've been so many years uh, actively striving to be good, actively studying, actively sharing every single thing I have that uh, people should and I'm not talking about the, the regular common everyday person, but the gatekeepers, it's really time to stop. <laughs> it's, 
it's really time to stop locking Sister Soldier out. If I come out with a book, for example, like Life After Death, and uh, it takes the number one slot for books everywhere in the world on Amazon, and it's number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, uh, why don't I get a call from Gail King? Why don't I get a call from Oprah? Two other Black women who call people who haven't even achieved that and feature them. Why don't I get a warm welcome from the Black people who say they love the people and they're for good? You know, it's time to stop. So if the setting was right and the setting was secure, I would love to, you know, share my mind, my voice, uh, my light, you know? Well, you always have a platform here, sister. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I feel good about you. And when I heard your name, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> we're going to do that Ed, Ed Gordon interview. That's something <laughs> we're going to do no, no matter what. So. Well, thank you, sister. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you as well. Sister Soldier's latest book, Life After Death, can be found, as we like to say, everywhere books are sold. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at avalonwaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.
We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider.